Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family, and of course, now affiliated proudly with the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and uh, back, my right hand, Hoss Reuter. Missed you last week, buddy. How you been? I've been good. Um, college football is in full swing. I'm busy with school applying for student teaching and currently right now I'm preparing my riot control gear for my trip to the belly of the beast boulder colorado yeah let's talk about that real quick i mean obviously we'll talk about colorado in length but uh wear a helmet please i i just yeah. saw I, I just saw that there were uh they're they're going to be giving away metal drinking cups to the game to fans and colorado fans at least from a nebraska fan you know perspective colorado fans don't have the greatest reputation so wear a helmet yeah i'm thinking a helmet is probably pretty key for this and uh you know i get a tbi or a closed head injury from a cup turned into a flying projectile you know i don't think they're gonna like the response that i'm gonna give it just seems like it's poorly ian malcolm from jurassic park it's the worst idea in the long, sad history of bad ideas. They spent so much time wondering if they could do it that they didn't, you know, ever stop to uh, consider if they should. You know, they're they're wielding it around recklessly like a kid who just found his dad's gun. It's not going to end well for I think a lot of people. So be careful out there, by God. Uh, and well, between that and the urine bombs, you know. <laughs> I, and you ever see the movie Outlaw Josie Wales? No. Are you serious? I mean, I, wait, wait, wait uh, Clint Eastwood? Yeah. I mean, let, let's face it, I, I've probably seen it, but I didn't know. You ain't I mean, dying like, much of a living boy. Sorry. Um, but he, he, he chews tobacco in that movie, just like yours truly, and figure I get hit by a urine bomb, I'll just send a nice stream of uh, brown Copenhagen mint juice right at him. Okay, did you ever see Three Meals for Sister Sarah? No, and I think I'm I have a little more leeway for not seeing that. Unlike you, not seeing Outlaw Josie Wales. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with uh, three meals for. I, don't, I got another, two meals. I, I didn't even have, no. I don't know. I I didn't. I barely remember any of that. Uh, if I'm being honest, the the one that I remember the most and is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ooh, that's a great one. So. I like high plains drifter too. Uh, I, used to, I used to troll a Colorado message board back in like 0809 when I was a wee lad under the uh, screen name High Plains Drifter. I'm not surprised by that at all. Nah, I've grown out of my trolling. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm a responsible member of society, civil society, polite so, society. Polite, that's the best word. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about. Husker football, shall we? Want to know? And unlike uh, uh, you know, last year they got the first game in, they got a game in under their belts before playing Colorado. It was U G L Y, and it did not have an alibi. No, that was it, the thirty-five twenty-one win over South Alabama. There was a laundry list of issues, and including some on the defensive side of the ball that I'll get to, but. Figure we'll start with offense. Offensive line was just we we got we got manhandled up front. Uh, the tackles did a decent job. Actually, they did a really good job. Brendan Hymas and Matt Farniak, but Bo Wilson, Cam Jurgens, and Trent Hickson they they showed that there's a lot of room for for improvement. Um, Cam Jurgens, understandable. He had that foot injury he was dealing with over the course of the summer. And, you know, 
looked like he lost some weight from the spring game, probably to accommodate that foot injury. And then to top it off, you know, he just, you know, you look like a guy who's making his first ever start at that position. You can replicate game situations and practice as much as you can. They're not the real thing. You know, it's not the real thing until you're out there playing against an opponent and you don't know what they're going to do. Same thing can be said about Trent Hickson. And Cam Jurgens, the thing that gives me a lot of hope is he possesses physical tools at the center position that we haven't seen in a long time, probably going back to Dominic Rayola. I remember you uh, saying something about that when you were doing, uh, I think it was your uh, uh, frost focus. Yeah. And, and, you, yeah. and you mentioned, uh, you know, if not verbatim, I mean, uh, paraphrasing what you said in the article, uh, tell us why you think that, you know, that this it might – Jurgens has the potential to be the best center since uh, Rayola. Well, he's an explosive athlete. He's quick twitch muscle explosion, as evidenced, you know, in his career in high school as a football player and as a basketball player and a track athlete. And athletes like Cam Jurgens with that kind of size, they don't grow on trees. I mean, he could have been a average blocking tight end in this offense, move him around at H-back, use him as a sniffer, an adjuster, you know, pulling along with a guard as a lead blocker. But his presence would be is better used at center. I thought that, you know, going into last season before Frost even moved him to center. I mean, shoot my own horn. I'm just saying, like, the center position in modern college football requires that kind of athlete. And we haven't had that in a really long time. So when you get a guy like Cam Jurgens, you start bulking him up, getting him up to about, I think he's about 280 right now. And ideally he should probably be about 300, 305. And that'll come with another off season, you know, lifting. We have a guy that can, is strong enough and explosive enough to base a nose guard on a drive block. Athletic enough to climb up to the second level to get a Mike linebacker and athletic and quick enough to get out, pull on the edge. And Frost really likes to pull centers in his offense. You saw it a lot when he was at UCF. And not having that last year, like Tanner Farmer was more than a serviceable center, but not having the capability to pull a center last year was a bit of a detriment to us. So even though Cam Jurgens' debut left, you know, room for a lot of improvement, the payoff is worth it. I mean, we got to let the kid develop some calluses at the position. And I think I mentioned this over the offseason on the podcast where I said it might take some time for this offensive line to gel together, especially that interior, you know, with Hickson and Jurgens. And the sooner we bite the bullet and let him play through the growing pains, give him that baptism by fire, the better off we're going to be. It's kind of like the saying, when's the best time? The best time to plant a shade tree was 20 years ago. Mm. Second best time to plant it is right now. Like, there's no easing into a street fight. You let the kid develop. And, you know, if he keeps sending snaps over the moon, you know, on a regular basis, maybe we reevaluate some things. Maybe we take him out for a series or two, settle him down, you know. But a lot of it, a lot of, in my opinion, playing with poor technique or snapping the ball high over Martinez's head, a lot of that comes down to the fact that he just needs to have the repetition to develop the automaticity of playing the position. Because centers have such a difficult job in a shotgun offense. You know, they got to snap the ball blindly, you know, five yards backwards to a stationary target they can't see. They got to also be looking at the defense, identify the point, you know, which is usually the, which is the mic and call out line calls. And when you're playing a defense like South Alabama, that lines in a tight front that is designed to throw off blocking schemes and clog the interior. And it's very even in its distribution, very balanced in its distribution of players across the field in the box. It's going to be hard for a young center to really, you know, identify that stuff in the three to five seconds that the position requires. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that he's going to come out on Saturday in Boulder looking like Dave Remington or Aaron Graham or Dominic Rayola. 
But I'm going to borrow a phrase that I used a lot last year and I'll be using again this year. I think we're going to see some incremental improvement out of Cam Jurgens, And we keep putting together that incremental improvement week by week. I think by the end of the season, we're playing Wisconsin and Maryland and Iowa, that you're going to see Cam Jurgens start to look like, you know, at least what Tanner Farmer was doing at the center position at the end of last year. I, I think a, a lot of people... I mean, we know he's young, uh, but he's the first freshman to start at center for Nebraska since the NCAA reinstituted freshman eligibility. So you got to go back to 1972, and he's just the sixth freshman to start a season opener on the offensive line for Nebraska. Period. Yeah, I mean, he's young in that position. That's not that's so not a, much repetition. And, and it, it's you don't hear about. I mean, honestly, this. I mean, you you don't have the answer for this. I don't have the answer for this. Um, but probably most college football fans for their team couldn't tell you the last time they had a freshman at center starting. You know, it's not. It's everything that you just said. It's it's not a position that lends itself uh, to youth and inexperience. But when Jurgens figures it out. We're going to have one hell of a center, and we're going to have him for a couple years. Like he, he looks like if he develops on a trajectory that I think he can, you're going to see a guy who probably could contend for, you know, at least all Big Ten honors at some point in his career and possibly all American honors just based off the physical attributes of the position alone. Of, of the physical attributes that he possesses alone. And that is a nice centerpiece to build around because when you consider the fact that we're really trying to build a solid nucleus of young offensive line talent, you know, Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran, Will Forniak could slide in at guard, um, Cam Jurgens. When you look at all those pieces, you start going, man, like, we really should stay the course and not be reactionary. Like the, the one of the things that drives me nuts more than anything in college football fandom is people who are just reactionary. You know, guy makes a mistake, I'll yank him. You know, just let him develop. Very rarely is anyone ready to go from the moment they step into a live situation. I look at it from the pro, from the standpoint of being in school to be a teacher. First time I got up in front of a classroom, it was an utter disaster. I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, like if JR from WWE was calling, you know, commentating my first <laughs> teaching experience, he'd been saying, call off the damn class. You know, it was not good, but you get more comfortable with it. Things start coming naturally to you. You don't have to take as much time and effort to process information. You develop that automaticity, you know, things just start clicking. And that, that's what we're going to see with Jurgens. And the payoff is worth it down the road. There's good, we're going to take some lumps, you know. But the great thing about this offense is that we can scheme around deficiencies of the offensive line. You know, you, you get a guy who just is able to horizontally displace his assigned defender on a dark play or a mid-zone play. And, you know, the play can work because you got speed out to the edge or you got speed going up the middle, you know, and the defender's shielded away from the ball carrier. So if there's ever an offense for a young guy to cut his teeth at the center position, it's this one. Two questions about uh, the center position, and then we're going to have to move on. One, do you agree with the decision not to put Cam Jurgens back under center or back at center uh, after halftime? Yes, I do. Okay. Especially from, from the standpoint of like what Frost said about the pitch count. When you're dealing with a guy that's still trying to come back from injury, it's probably beneficial to let him sit after he's been sitting for an extended period of time because, you know, somebody who's injured, they cool down and then get back out there. They're going to be a little more prone to re-aggravating an injury. Second question. I'm sure I'm not the only one who was thinking it, but after he sailed another – you know, snap over Adrian Martinez. Orbit. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I probably wasn't the only one. 
sitting there on the couch thinking, why don't they just put the QB under center? So, why didn't they just put Adrian Martinez under center, you know, uh, or rather than in, in the gun? Is it just the particular scheme or, or style of offense that Scott Frost runs? Yeah, it's the particular scheme. Um, if we were to go under, and you saw us go under center a couple of times, especially with that, you know, 41 pitch on the very first play of the game, the old Tom Osborne tie sweep, and then we aligned in that, you know, bunch formation, ran that jet sweep to Wandale. But we're severely limited with what we can do if we go under center just because we haven't installed, you know, enough plays under center to go under center exclusively. And I I think you'll see an improvement on the high snaps this Saturday. Um, I don't think he'll sell, sail one over Martinez's head into orbit, but I, I don't think know. It, will, it's, you know, it's, it's a, a higher elevation. The ball is going to carry a little bit more. Yeah. Just like those kickers in the NFL, always booting field goals from ungodly distances uh. when they're playing the Broncos. Um, but yeah, I mean, incremental improvement just one week at a time. And, you know, it's a compounding effect and just let the kid get better. I mean, Let's be honest. You know, I, I've heard a few people say, you know, oh, this could really cost us. You know, and it's like this is my take on it. We won nine games in 2016 with Dylan Utter playing center. Yeah, you know, that's hard to hard to think back that far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, 2016. That was that was that season was spent under a haze of Coors Banquet. You know, for the games because. We won ugly, you know, a win's a win, but winning ugly, you know, you got to dare to win ugly, but sometimes it's not for the fan of heart. But um, speaking of Cam Jurgens is better than Dylan Utter. Oh. There's no, you know, no disrespect to Dylan Utter as a person, you know, just talking from a pure football standpoint. We can scheme around the weaknesses until Cam Jurgens is at a point where he can be a great asset to this football. And, and here's, the, here's the thing, and I, I said that after the two questions, we'd move on, but you look at pictures of uh, Cam Jurgens, and he's listed as 6'3". I think, you know, his 247 Rivals page or 247, whatever source that is, you know, had him out of high school, to, uh, 6'3", 240. As you said, he's probably closer to 280 now. But a 6'3", I mean, he had <clears> – try that again. He has some of the longer arms for a center that Nebraska's had in the last few years. He's got – the uh, the length of his arms, he can keep, you know, interior defensive linemen, you know, nose tackles and whatnot at a at a distance, just because he he's got a longer reach, a longer wingspan than probably most of them, and and that's you know invaluable because that's all you know pass protection and run blocking is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And when you see us go up against like defenses in the Big Ten that are going to run four-man fronts and there's going to be a shaded nose guard to his backside shoulder, you're going to be able to see Cam Jurgens, you know, keep one arm, one hand on that backside nose guard with the one-handed bench press technique to hold him up for Trent Hickson while working laterally, you know, to, it lateral, diagonally, should I say, towards the three tech and up to the mic, you know, so he'll be able to extend that backside hand, help out Hickson while still moving to go get a mic linebacker or a weak side linebacker scraping over the top. All the critical factors are there. It'd be absurd just to say, Hey, we're going to, you know, bench this kid. because He's not figuring it out right now after one game. When you're looking at, it, you're like, gosh, you know, he's got all the physical critical factors. Um, Let's let this kid develop. That is, it's like you know putting away money in a retirement account. You're not going to see it right away, but it's going to pay off eventually. And there were some plays against South Alabama that you know when he was able to lock on to the nose guard or whatever defender that he was blocking, he was able to force a stalemate. He wasn't getting a lot of vertical displacement of the defender off the line of scrimmage, but he's able to force a stalemate. And sometimes that's all you need, especially in this offense. Force the stalemate when he had a good base, his feet were set far enough apart. He had his hips underneath of him. But on like Dedrick Mills' first touchdown run of the game, 
he kind of got ragdolled by the South Alabama nose guards. He has feet too close together and his hips were behind him instead of underneath him. You know, Greg Austin doesn't teach run blocking the old way with, you know, your hips are behind you, your head's forward. No, he teaches it more. You're going to generate force from the ground. You know, you're going to keep your hips underneath you and you're really going to work to get those hands underneath the chest plate of the defender and push up, you know, upward thrust. So that that's how it's taught. Technique can be fixed. Snaps can be fixed. Critical factors that someone either innately possesses or develops over time in the weight room, those cannot be fixed. So you go with the person who gives you the best shot, and right now that's Cameron Jurgens. Well, and I could probably I could probably write a PhD dissertation on center play. We have talked quite. I mean, I know you love talking online. I know oh, yeah. it. Uh, Gets my piss hot. <laughs> Garrett Nelson, God bless him. Uh, Scott's bluff boy. State. Uh, what's that? He's going to be a folk hero in this state. He is. Uh, I mean, and and he, he plays with <coughs> such joy, uh, and and you can tell that he's just you know really proud to be out there repping his state, you know, his home state, and uh, and being a Cornhusker. But we're not here to talk about Garrett Nelson yet. Uh, we need to talk about that offense. Um, and, and we've got some uh, audio that we'll play for you here as we go through. But, uh, I mean, Scott Frost said it best after the game and then at the Monday press conference saying that, you know, that was – in fact, let's go ahead and start with that uh, uh, that clip from Frost. He's talking about this is, you know, you know among the worst offensive uh, performance he's ever seen. He says that he'll either, uh, we'll either learn from it or we won't. And uh, coaches are going to do – their best to uh, to learn from it. So let's play that clip. That game offensively is either going to be a harbinger of things to come for this season or uh, we're going to look back on it as the best thing that ever happened to us because it was a learning experience. And uh, we got to practice and coach in a way to make it the latter. I mean, so there you have it. Hossie going to do his best, to, you know, Frost and, and the uh, coaching staff to make sure that, you know, the, the offense is, you know, far more prepared and ready to go and, uh, and, and you know, the, the fluke being the South Alabama game, it was not pretty offensive play this past weekend. No, it wasn't. Uh, there's a, like Just like the offensive line, there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, Adrian Martinez looked like his decision-making was a little iffy. He looked like he was rushing some throws, not trusting his protection. And a little bit of that goes back into the snap issue. You know, when he's focused on where the snap's going to go, he's not able to get a good pre-snap read on what the defense is doing. A little bit of that also included in that is the fact that South Alabama was disguising coverage at the line of scrimmage. They're flipping from a cover two into a cover three post-snap. You know, so they're going from two high safeties in their pre-snap shell to after the ball snap, one's coming down to help out against the run or a flat route, and the other one's dropping deep as the single high safety. So they, they did – South Alabama did what teams do when they're outgunned. They, they try to confuse the opposing offense. And when you have a little bit of youth and inexperience like we do, that's the result that happens. But it's not an excuse. you got to overcome it. I you thought – got, got to adjust in game. You know – Frost said that they need to put better players into, they need to put players into better positions to succeed. He also said that you know we didn't carry a lot of plays into the game, meaning we didn't call a lot of plays, different plays in the game. And then today they were saying that they installed too much leading up to it. An installation and what you actually call are two very different things. You can install a shit ton of stuff, overwhelm your guys, decide to scale it back because they're so overwhelmed, but. By then, what you are running in a game is not very well polished from your week of practice. So it comes down to, you know, fixing the O-line issues, the snap issues, Adrian making better decisions, coaches installing stuff, the right amount of stuff, and calling the right stuff in a game to take advantage. One of the things that we also really struggled with was our perimeter blocking from our wide receivers. Um it just wasn't there. You know, you could tell that Stanley Morgan and Cade Warner weren't out there on the field because well, I stands in the NFL now and Cade Warner was injured. Uh, those guys are keys to this offense. You got to block on the perimeter, whether it's a running back sweep, a screen or a quarterback run. 
whether it's designed or on the backside of his own read, got a block on the perimeter. That's where we excelled so much last year, especially down the stretch against Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan State, and Iowa. I'm glad you mentioned Cade Warren because up until just now, I had not heard that he was hurt. I was going to ask you if you knew where he was because I didn't remember hearing his name at all. Uh, I heard he was held out of practice the last bit of fall camp, and then he was in street clothes on the sideline on Saturday. And then they said this week that he's back practicing, so I'm willing to bet it's probably a concussion. Oh, well. You don't want to exhibit those uh, in practice. You know, you know, obviously we don't want anybody to get – with what we know about CTE and everything, we don't want anybody to get concussions, but you certainly don't want to get one as a result of practice. I mean, it's not it's not the 90s, by God. Uh, not Bud Kilmer from Varsity Blues. <laughs> you put that needle in his knee – you got to find yourself a new quarterback. I got twenty-three district titles. Count them. You put that. What, what, what does uh, uh, Billy Bob say? That needle goes anywhere near his knee. I'm gonna rip your arms off and beat you to death with him. <laughs> you watched that movie a few times, eh, Chief? I, I've seen it. it I, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that movie, but I, it, I, I used to. I'm not gonna say I used to wear it out, but I used to have it on VHS. Kids, oh. back in the day before there was digital media. Uh, back before Blu-rays and even DVDs, there were these uh, usually black plastic rectangles, and in it was film. And Be kind, rewind. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I used to have that movie on a VHS, and I got it on DVD or Blu-ray. You know, I upgraded it. To, but yeah, it's, it's been a couple years since I've seen it. But you know, you, you remember remember some of the classic lines of that movie um, we should do an entire podcast over the offseason where we watch varsity blues and then i discuss what's realistic and what's not realistic from that movie well i would say for one what's not realistic is the timing of the action on the field with uh my hero from foo fighters and you know yeah. it just <laughs> it just doesn't uh doesn't sync up quite so perfectly as it does in that MTV production. I got to say, I got to give a big tip of the hat to old Lance Harbor, though, coaching in uh, lieu of uh, Bud Kilmer. I mean, he really he designed the spread offense pretty much on the fly there. <laughs> Hook and ladder. Yeah, I mean, four ladder receivers on. to one side. You got single <laughs> coverage over there on Twitter, you know, little formation into boundary action. I mean, it was brilliant. They had no run game. They didn't have a mobile quarterback. They were just spreading the field and letting it rip. Mike Leach would have been proud. People are going to start turning us off if we don't stop talking about Texas high school football here. Yeah, we better get back to it, Chief. So, uh, offense, I mean, as one of the notes I said, you know, anemic offense or a lack of opportunities or both. And in the second half, there were there was a lack of opportunities because the defense and special teams, uh, which, in my opinion, saved the game for them. Uh, but, you know, they were getting scores and, and uh, you know, without the offense even having to touch the ball. But... With without I mean rehashing the old line play, it, what what happened with the offense? Do you think that they were just keeping a bland game plan? I mean, I, I feel like if you're in what you know was a much closer game than any of us anticipated against a Sun Belt team, you're not going to just you know keep it milk toast. You're going to try to do some things that are you know at least can you know be a little less predictable. Well, I, I, have a, I have a couple opinions on that. The first one is I understand wanting to keep it milk toast and bland, playing an opponent like South Alabama, and think that you can just line up and out-execute them running basic stuff, but the reality is that we're not good enough to line up and just out-execute anybody right now without scheming to exploit a specific weakness. Can, can, I, can I bring up another uh, movie quote? Yeah. To quote, uh, quote Herb Brooks from A Miracle? We don't have enough, or we're not talented enough to win on talent alone, or you know something like that. No, no, that's exactly it. That that encapsulates everything of what I just said in one nicely wrapped quote from Kurt Russell and Herb Brooks. I mean, uh, we're we're just not good enough. Yeah, we'll get there. And so you got to scheme things to exploit a specific weakness. You got to motion backs out of the backfield to open up your inside run game. You got to have RPOs attached to both sides, you know, or a now screen and an RPO 
to remove defenders from the box because at the end of the day, Scott Frost's offense is a box count offense. Count how many guys are in the box. Do you have a numbers advantage? You don't have a numbers advantage. Go out wide. You do have the numbers advantage. Run it up the middle. You know, it's it's pretty binary if than, you know, in that regard. Mm-hmm. The second thing is I can understand keeping things close to the vest in preparation of the Colorado game. And I think the staff has not exactly hid their disdain for Colorado, uh, stemming either from last year's game or Frost's playing days or Greg Austin was a starting offensive lineman for the Bill Callahan team that rolled into Boulder and mollywhopped their asses 30-3 to in my all-time favorite Husker game, the Restore the Order game. <laughs> Which that was the day that I remember sitting on the couch watching that with my family going, damn, I can't wait to go to a Nebraska-Colorado game in Boulder. And lo and behold, it's finally coming true 14 years later. Um, but when you're caught in a dogfight with a lesser opponent, you gotta, you know, you gotta dust something off. You know, you, Tom Osborne said the most important game is the one that you're playing right now. And I said that many times during the course of Saturday's game against South Alabama. It looked like we thought, hey, we're just going to line up. We're going to out-execute you know, these guys. We're going to knock the piss out of them. Right. You know, just piss on town alone. We're not there yet. And even when we get there, I'd still rather see us, even against weak teams, lesser teams, I'd still rather see us scheme to exploit specific weaknesses. And that's... I mean, I think that, a I, lot of it could just be wanting to, uh, well, not the execution issues, but the bland milk toast offense could just be a giant f u to Colorado, saying we ain't showing you guys shit. What? Talk to me about you know South Alabama. I thought did a great job of preparing for Nebraska. I thought so too. They were well coached and they had some dudes. You know, remember when we. We we're kind of joking around about Steve Campbell when we previewed South Alabama. Mm-hmm. I thought that guy could coach his ass off, to tell you the truth. I mean, he could rip a headset off, that's for damn sure. Did you notice that he wears a striking resemblance to Bill Murray's brother? Let me let me look him up again real quick. Like Bill Murray's brother played his dad in Scrooged, that movie. Was he uh, Brian Murray, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a heavier Brian Murray. Well, regardless, South Alabama, they're well prepared. I read that Campbell, you know, he's won, and I'm not anointing this guy as Mike Ditka or South Alabama's defense as the 85 Bears by any means. But I had read that his coordinators have been with him at every stop he's ever had. He played college football with his coordinators back in the day. There's a lot of understanding. There's a lot of familiarity. There's a lot of cohesion. Second of all, the guys won at the JUCO level, the D2 level. He won a, I think I heard he won a D2 national championship somewhere like Delta State or some program like that. Right. Coaching's coaching regardless of the level. Second of all, they had some dudes on defense. They had signed a couple of JUCO All-American linebackers over the offseason. And those guys, you know, Everybody's got athletes these days. The age of parity in college football has ensured that you can't stockpile talent anymore if you're Nebraska, Oklahoma, USC, LSU, Alabama. I mean, those teams, aside from us, have done a better job recruiting and they have more advantageous recruiting grounds. But you can't just stockpile talent. Everybody's going to have some athletes and teams get better year to year. I know everyone was saying South Alabama, you know, it was like 128 out of 128 teams last year. They played their balls off. Their defensive ends, the four eye techniques that align inside the offensive tackle, on the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle, they were doing a great job holding the B gap and then fighting over top of the offensive tackle's down block to pursue the play of the perimeter. So they're holding the B gap. Dedrick Mills, Adrian Martinez, Maurice Washington, whoever's the ball carrier sees that that hole is clo- that gap is closed. And so they go to bounce outside. And as they're bouncing outside, that D end is starting to work over top of that down block so he can pursue the play. They were very well coached. And 
Uh, you know, you gotta give a tip of the hat to him. We still are. doesn't excuse an anemic <laughs> performance because at the end no. of the day, we're in Nebraska, they're South Alabama. We got to figure out a way to get it done. I mean, it, at the same time, those dudes are on scholarship too. At the same time, you could say, you know, or, or not you, but another school could say, you know, at the end of the day, we're Tennessee and they're Georgia State. We got to figure out how to get it done. Cause yeah, could, could, to quote Jurassic Park, man, could be worse, John. Could be a lot worse. <laughs> we're going to take a time out when we come back. Some positives. We're going to have some positive things to talk about, and that's defense and special teams. Oh, well, I still have some criticisms. Well, yeah, but I don't think anybody. I'm, but, I'm the Bud Kilmer of this podcast. You stop it right now. Uh, I'll, you be the Bud Kilmer. I'll be the Val Kilmer. All right, Doc Holliday. <laughs> uh, and you could be my wingman. Um, we'll come back. Uh, uh, a little bit of you know criticism, but some positivity, too, uh, when we talk about defense and special teams on the Five Heart Podcast. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahochko, Hoss Reuter, John Dam Johnston is uh, pulling apart a network and was unable to join us this week. We do miss him. We hope that he is back next week because uh, without him, be, I mean, he'll be three weeks by the time John returns to the podcast uh, after missing last week and out this week. But Hoss is here, and Hoss, uh, before the break, we teased it. We had We saw something this past Saturday that we have not seen since... 2017 and that was a pick six yeah i saw your tweet right after it happened and i was busy talking with everyone who i was watching the game with but immediately i thought i think the last one was aaron williams pick six in horner hornerbrook in uh 2017 against wisconsin it was yeah i uh, uh i retweeted you know the official at coordination uh twitter account uh, and I said, how long has it been since we had a pick six? Knowing that it felt like a while. I say, quick, someone ask, you know, at Hoss Reuter, at Paul underscore Dalen, who, of course, uh, sat in with me last week and is uh, our own stat guy, or even the Pat Jansen. And it was Pat the stat coming through. 2017, Aaron Williams versus Wisconsin. He says, tied the game at the time. It so, did, and I thought, boy, howdy, we're in business. Uh, it, so spoiler alert, we were not in business. <laughs> well, no, um, but but def- defensively, let's just dive on in because I'm I'm raring to go here. Uh, inject a college football right into my veins here. Um, played good, you know. We stopped the run. We held them to right around 300 yards of offense. Um. Got, obviously, five turnovers, two defensive touchdowns. But I do have one criticism, a couple. but And they're not so much about guys on the field. It's If you say anything I, about Garrett Nelson's mullet, I'm going to hang up the show. I think the starting outside linebackers should be Garrett Nelson and JoJo Dolman. Interesting. Because they give you everything that you already get with Alex Davis and Tyron Ferguson. And they're a little bit more dynamic playmakers on the edge than those two guys. And Ferguson, I mean, we thought that this was going to put and one game in, so we don't yeah, you know, yeah. know for I, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm doing the same thing that I just chastised other people for about the center position being reactionary. But it, things look a little different. With but, those we, two but we thought that, you know, this is going to be Ferguson's breakout year. And and not to say it's not going to be, you know, and, and he showed glimpses of it last year as well. But, uh, I mean, at at worst, or maybe not at worst, at the least, you've got to get Doman and Nelson some more reps. Absolutely. And JoJo should be a starter. There's no question. He should be starting. He is that rare blend of size and speed that doesn't come around very often. And Garrett Nelson, I think that he could be a fantastic pass rusher from that weak side jack linebacker spot. Um, that's my opinion. That's not a slight on Alex Davis or Tyron Ferguson. It's just my own, you know, admittedly anecdotal, you know, take. But... 
other than that, you know, I thought everyone did a really good job playing really sound assignment football. Eric Lee came into the ball game. Uh, that was great to see. And and it was after um, Williams, right? De- yeah, Deontay Williams. Deontay, I was like, I'm, I'm not going to get his right name, or first name right. Deontay Williams got hurt. Eric Lee came in, and uh, I think it was friend of the show, Josh, uh, sent me a message and said, you know, here's something crazy to think about. Adrian, and it's not, I mean, because it's just math, but Adrian Martinez was in eighth grade when uh, Eric Lee signed, you know, committed to Nebraska under Bo Pelini. So Lee has been much maligned, I think. He's in his, you know, third head coach and fourth, probably defensive coordinator. Uh, third. Chenander, Diaco. Banker, Diaco, Chenander. Chenander. Yeah, that's right. Three, uh, three years of Riley now, too. You're right. But he's been through, like, God knows how many secondary coaches. Right. Because um, there were there – Ron Stewart. There, there, was a, uh, there was a time when Nebraska was getting secondary – were changing secondary coaches like I was changing underwear. Um, so you only change them once a year? I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best analogy. <laughs> Socks. Socks. Yeah. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Eric Lee's been through a lot and uh, did not have, you know, the starting spot, you know, going into this season. I think he worked his way into a starting spot. I mean, he housed the one, uh, you know. He's made, big enough to come up and run support, too. And and he made some big plays. Like, um, he's kind of built like a D3 linebacker. Who Who came off the edge? I don't think it was Doman. Who came off Cam the Taylor? Cam Taylor. Oh, I, I really, I really like what Cam Taylor's showing so far. Um, he got in the game against Northwestern last year in Evanston in relief of Lamar Jackson, and he immediately showed some flashes of like, okay, this this kid could be pretty good, you know. And he was still young, so he wasn't out there a lot, and he ended up taking a redshirt year playing in four games, and that was it. But yeah. He, he's going to be a really good player. He almost looks like a guy that you could turn him into a JoJo Dolman type of nickel linebacker. And and he just he hit uh, uh, the South Alabama quarterback with such force uh, mm. that that I mean it was a, it was a thing of beauty. It was the type of defensive. It was highlight know, real shit. Yeah, it, it was it was the type of contact that we've missed that Husker fans have missed in the last few years. And if nothing else, I mean, obviously Scott Frost and, and company are, are doing a lot of great things in Lincoln, but if nothing else, the way that, you know, the, the look, Frost said it, he's like, you know, our guys are going to swarm to the ball. You know, or Scott or, or, you know, Frost or Chenander said, you know, that's what they're going to do. They're going to get after the ball. And that's what they were doing. And it was great to see, you know, some of the physicality coming back because that, that gets a little swagger. You know, when you're when you're popping, uh, you, you know the quarterback and, and getting the ball free and, and uh, you know, like you said, five turnovers and, and I think the the final turnover margin, which I'm I'm keeping track of over at uh, the number five heart podcast on Twitter, keeping track of the turnover margin. Going to try to do it all season long to remind people that hey, our damn defense is getting some turnovers and right now we're at plus three and uh, I've, I've got I've got a really good feeling going forward that uh, this is going to be the year where we see, you know, turnovers uh, and I hope, I hope fewer penalties. And that's how you're going to win ball games. Can I bring up my second criticism of the defense? You can. It's, it's your the, – the floor is yours. I love getting pressure on the quarterback, um, kind of from the Buddy Ryan school of the quarterback. The opposing quarterback deserves to be punished, you know. He needs to be on it flat on his back. So getting pressure, getting sacks on corner and safety blitzes are awesome. Unfortunately, that has me a little concerned about the lack of a pass rush from our front seven because safety and corner blitzes aren't the most dependable kind of pressure. I mean, that it's a, it's a scheme call. 
you know, it's, you know, hey, they're lining up in the boundary in a three-by-one set. They're lining up to the field in the three-by-one set with the single receiver the boundary. Hey, we're going to bring the corner and have the will linebacker sling out to cover the receiver, the safety come down, umbrella coverage on the receiver. Opposing OCs can pick that scheme, pick that apart in game planning. I would like to see us get more consistent pressure up front from our front seven. I do feel like with as much attention as the defensive line was uh, obtaining throughout fall camp that I I thought we'd see a little bit more from them. Um, I guess the good news is, I mean, last year the defensive line ate up Colorado uh, so yep. hopefully seven sacks and look where that ended up. You know, I'd rather start off slow and finish stronger as the year goes on. Sure. Then kind of blow our load in a manner of speaking early on. Well, with blue chew, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I could not. I was taking a drink of water when you said that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Ooh, that was perfectly timed. I'll tell you the same thing. Uh, my son uh, tells me he's got a bad habit. You know, he's at that age where, uh, or at that height where he just wants to run full speed and not stop until he hits something. And a lot okay. of times, could uh, be a hell of a linebacker. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, I see him as an outside, inside linebacker or uh, or defensive end. That's those would be my my two, you know, football wishes for him. One one of those two positions. But uh, the Garrett Nelson, and his name is Garrett. So there you go. Uh, but uh, my Garrett uh, likes to run at me full speed and not stop. And I need to start wearing a cup <laughs> because I- I- even if I'm like emptying the dishwasher or something like that, because then he'll hit me and I'll be like, oh, you know, obviously I have that, and he'll be like, sorry. That anyway, that's you know. I, Mm. Anyway, I don't even know how we got off on that tangent. Uh, I apologize, everybody. Um, special teams. I mean, no Garrett. Uh, no, not Garrett. No Barrett Pickering. Uh, but we still had a JD Spielman who both uh, helped and hurt our cause in the game. But you know, obviously, an exciting uh, you know punt return for a touchdown, which couldn't tell you the last time we had one of those. And uh, uh, then he had the muff punt, like the next punt, which was kind of crazy. So he's he's uh, he, he's back to, to even strength. You know, he, he's he gave us a big big one, and then he cost us uh, you know a touch or uh, seven points. Um, Speaking of JD Spielman, I want to bring this up. Did you know that his father is in like the front office of the Minnesota Vikings? I don't think I've ever heard that until this past Saturday. Are you being serious or are you being sarcastic? Oh, high sarcasm. And they bring it up every oh. game. Every time they show him on TV, he's like, and, uh, you know, his dad, Rick, uh, Minnesota Vikings, blah, blah, blah. It's almost as bad as, like, the uh, Tommy Armstrong complete surpass to Jordan Westrian. They're roommates, That's you know. Right. <laughs> I don't think okay. we know who Adrian My Martinez is. My friends drinking game to that. Drink every time they mention their roommates. Who, who's Adrian Martinez's roommate? Do we know? I don't know. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> exactly. You hear me, Speaking commentators? Of Spielman, though. Yeah. On our second scoring drive, offense scoring drive, there is an incomplete pass to Canavai Noah where away from the play, J.D. Spielman is in the end zone and runs a snag route back inside. And he gets tattooed by the South Alabama linebacker. Has no bearing on the play whatsoever. I'm talking like targeting type of hit. Mm -hmm. No flag. Nothing. I mean, literally, like, go back and watch. It's in the second quarter scoring drive. And just mercilessly. I mean, it should have probably been an ejection if it got called. I remember seeing the replay on it. And makes you wonder... Why that one got overlooked? I mean, I don't have an answer. You know? Yeah, I mean, you can look at it from the perspective of he wasn't the intended receiver. You can look at it, you know, from any, you know, Martinez was scrambling around, you know, kind of a broken play. 
But if you're going to call holding on the backside of a run play that has no bearing on the outcome of the play, shouldn't the same extend for on a pass play with an eligible receiver? And especially with how aware and hyper-aware and cautious we are anymore of you know CTE and concussive trauma. You would think that. I mean, and like I, having never been a football official, uh, you know, you know, on the ground or you know anything like that. I don't know whose job it is to look in in the defensive backfield like that. I, are, are they all following the ball? I mean, did it just com- go completely missed by all the all the officiating crew at the time? I mean, it, 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 you know, it, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to get an answer for you know when you're not able to ask you know the official hey what's going on there, but. I just thought it was interesting that it was completely overlooked because, and it kind of had me thinking that because of the hit that came before either of JD's punt returns, either the one for the touchdown or the one that he muffed, it because if you notice on the t- one that he returned for a touchdown, he even had a hard time gathering the ball in cleanly. Right. Yeah, if he was a little gun shy after that. I mean, anything's possible. I'm sure that you know. Th- <laughs> They'll get it. My my faith in officiating is about the same amount of faith that I have in gas stations. Gas station sushi. And my faith, I mean, that's you can fill up my faith in officiating in a thimble and have yeah. room left over for a glass of water. Um, I hate officials. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a story for another day. Um, real quick though, the defensive performance, even with the, all of the. Uh, laundry list of criticisms that you found with them because you're nitpicky. Uh, the five turnovers, the you know just the overall way that they played left them feeling with a little bit of swagger to the point where uh, Mo Berry, and we're going to play the clip here, said in his Monday uh, you know press conference that you know what he's like, hey, you know we want the offense to know that if they're struggling or whatnot, we've got their back. So let's play that clip. We're a defense, so we're supposed to have the offense back in the in the end of the day that's why you rely on having a great defense a good defense i'm happy that happened um on saturday because now the offense knows we got their back you know no matter what we're gonna have their back and they're gonna play their best that's not even close to what they have shown like it's not don't think that's the offense y'all gonna get this year i mean so mulberry's always been a little bit outspoken uh you know he's always uh been one to, uh, as you would say, bring the juice. Um, did I say that right? Oh, yeah. Okay, just making sure. Um, you know, he's one of the leaders on that defensive unit, uh, and, and rightfully so. I mean, this is his final year. I believe he's a senior. Um, this is his final year to make his mark for, for the team, the school, himself going forward. What what are your thoughts on, you know, it, it's probably not since 2009, and we don't, not to say that, you know, 2009 was a bad season. I mean, we played in the conference championship, didn't quite go our way, but what would be your thoughts? I think we know what the offense can be. The defense carrying the game, though, you know, and being the the unit that leads him to victory what what's your take on that if it if the defense has to you know uh save the day or or you know win the day for the huskers well sometimes you're gonna get into a game like that where they have the defense has to put it on their backs and get it done but when your head coach is considered one of the best offensive play callers in the country and you have a great quarterback like adrian martinez you should always be winning games just through the sheer will and domination of your offense. I don't disagree. Uh, and, and obviously that's why I brought it up. But when – trying to figure out how to, how to phrase the question best. You go back to 2009, and it was a year where – I mean, the – with a, a better offense, you know, you're, you're Big 12 champions and, you know, you're 
maybe I, I can't remember what bowl they played in that year. I don't know if it was a New Year's Day. All bowl. of it bowl against Arizona. Okay, so but that wasn't a New Year's. No six. Uh, so you know, with the, with the with the better with the, with the good offense, you're going to be playing in you know a much better bowl and in, in helping your position. That was a year that the uh, uh, the defense carried the team. You don't foresee that the, we're going to have. You know, ten years later, we're going to have that type of year. You think that the offense is going to get it figured out, right? Yeah, I do. I, I think the offense will get it figured out and get moving in the right direction. I think last week's game was an aberration for you know the anemic showing, but you know I think the defense is going to be vastly improved over last year. I mean, I can't really argue with that, nor do I want to try. Um, it's just funny. Your I, thoughts I, in Colorado before we get out of here? Uh, let's kick – how do I put this? Uh, kick their dick into the dirt? Couldn't have put it better myself. I mean, <laughs> I think we should talk a little bit. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, if, if, you, if you shut him down, do you shut down Colorado's offense? Yes. Uh, shut him down. Don't let Montez go to him every time. Get pressure on Montez. And I think we're going to be in good shape. Um, Montez probably the best passing quarterback we're going to see on our schedule this year. He'll I, be in the NFL next year for sure. I heard so, that he did not put – I heard that they as an offense did not play particularly well against Colorado State last week. No, they didn't. They actually got outgained by Colorado State. And I was going to say, and I, and I heard that the defense didn't do great either. So. No, they gave up 31. So, yeah, I mean, we got to stop Chenault. I mean, if we stop Chenault and we get heat on Montez, you know, and it doesn't even need to be the extent that we did last year, we can win this game. We only gave up like 44 rushing yards to see you last year. So neutralize Chenault, get pressure on Montez, get the offense clicking, you know, our offense clicking. And I think we're going to be in really good shape. Gotta, we gotta start fast though. Before, like if we can, if we can start fast and build a lead and force Colorado to totally go away from the run and you know just you know they're chucking, you know they're chucking it in the air every down trying to catch up. That's gonna play really well for us with our secondary being so improved and being you know forcing five turnovers last week. Because if they're chucking it all over the place and we're getting picks, that lead's just going to keep growing. You know, it's going to be the before you know it, Colorado's buried under an avalanche. So excited for uh, uh, th- this game, two thirty kickoff uh, Central Time, and Haas. I know you're going to the game, so obviously, be safe, man. <laughs> oh, I will. You know, I I have a feeling, you know. A little bit of it's overblown, but you always got to be cautious just because of the, you know, there's a precedent for how CU fans' behavior is. So always got to be cautious, you know. Got to travel in numbers, not go into uh, the college bars or walk by Greek Row. Before we get out of here, we actually get, for the first time in a long time, get to use the use your voice. Are we doing predictions too? Yeah, we'll do that too. All right. Let's, but let's use our voice. Well, we've been using our voice. So let's let a listener use his voice, and we'll also take a look at Twitter. So uh, use your voice. It's up now. Holy crap. Husker fans, you have hot takes. You have opinions. You have questions. Now it's time to use your voice. Tweet the show at the number 5 Heart Podcast. Message us on Facebook or Leave a voicemail at 402-327-1830. But most important, use your voice. All right, so uh, Haas, right there towards the end of the game, I, I put the, the phone number out on Twitter. By the way, uh, got a lot of Twitter engagement, and what I did was doing at, at each quarter break was I was saying, hey, you know, let's – your reaction on the first quarter it's halftime you know send your hot takes and then i was rating their takes based on our five heart uh rating system so uh for example patrick Gerhardt uh did not get a very high rating for his response 
Um, his was a, a minus one heart take because Ooh. he was confused as to what podcast, you know, jokingly, I, th- I think, was confused as to which podcast he was talking about. Um, Rick Cohn, our, our uh, recruiting uh, analyst, I said, uh, your post-game reaction, and he just used a gif of uh, Charles Barkley saying, terrible, which I, I, I said, you know what, it's a two-heart take. I said it's a three heart take for its overall simplicity, but you lose one heart for pronunciation. <laughs> so we're just having some fun, and uh, be, if you want to be a part of that, you can again follow us on Twitter at the number five heart podcast. But I did throw the phone number out there, and we did get a voicemail, so we're going to play that. By the way, the phone number, if you want to leave a voicemail for the show, is four zero two three two seven one eight three zero. And let's go to Matt. Matt in the four zero two, yeah, four zero two, and uh, he's. He's got a few uh, thoughts in a few seconds, and uh, a Go Bear Greg, that is what the transcript told us. So here's Matt. Go Big Red, this is Matt. I'm calling. I have had a few adult beverages. Um, Overall, I think just the theme is a disappointing performance. You know, you you drank the Kool-Aid a bit and uh, believed that Frost could magically wave his wand and things would be fixed, but uh, Martinez had open receivers. Looked hesitant to throw. Line, completely awful. Couldn't block. <laughs> they couldn't block anyways. So, you know, very disappointing, but Blackshirt stepped up, and uh, next week, let's beat Colorado and uh, go from there. Go Bear Greg. So there you have it. That's Matt. And, and again, if you want to uh, be a part, the phone number again is 402-327-1830. And uh, I could read all these tweets and, and responses and whatnot, but uh, let's just say that the things that I was tweeting out they were getting some likes and some retweets. Uh, uh, Robert S. Devaney reanimated, or, or uh, I think, yeah, Zombie Devaney uh, was a, a big fan that day. So uh, thanks to him, I, I told him there was wild turkey in the fridge, but I didn't want it to kill him, and he said he's been dead for 22 years. So there you go. Uh, I'm pretty sure Garrett Nelson's mom liked a tweet of mine when I said, my goodness, Garrett Nelson looks like a grown damn man, hashtag Scott's Bluff. Uh, so thanks, Mrs. Nelson. And, uh, it, we, we had a lot of fun on Twitter and, and we'll do it again this, uh, Saturday. Haas, you're going to be in Boulder in enemy territory and, yes, uh, you're going to be wearing the biggest reddest shirt you possibly can find. Mm-hmm. What's what's your, not a red hat though. I'll be wearing my gray Herbie Husker Adidas hat. That's fair. Gotta, mm-hmm. gotta be safe. What's your prediction for Saturday? Well, I I think we're going to start a lot faster on offense, and I think we're going to see some good incremental improvement of the offensive line. Mel Tucker runs the same kind of defense as South Alabama does, did the tight front, but Colorado also ran that last year as well against us. But different coordinators, different staffs, you know, all that gets factored in here. I just think that with as much preparation as gone, likely gone in to getting ready for Colorado, coupled with the animosity that we have towards them for last year and previous years of that rivalry, I'm going to say that we're going to start fast. And I think Colorado will get back into it a little bit, but it's not going to be enough. I'm going Nebraska 42, Colorado 31. Well, I like the outcome. I don't think the score for them is going to be quite that high. So I will stay with your 42 just because we don't have a kicker. (laughs) And I will say Colorado 20. Let's say 42-20. And the streets of Boulder will be flooded with Nebraska fans having a grand old fucking time. The streets of Boulder will run red with the Husker shirts. Uh, that was you, man. I'm I'm looking forward to this one. Here's what's going to happen in our house. We always you know go to church Sunday mornings, and uh, then we go to the grocery store. When the Huskers win, when I go to the store on Sunday morning after church, to buy groceries and my beer. I will buy a sixer of a Coors Banquet in your honor. 
My man. You gonna watch that when you watch the Chiefs play on Sunday? No. I don't know what I'll be doing Sunday. I don't know what time the Steelers play or if it's on in my uh, region. But uh, I'll buy I'll, I'll buy a, a sixer of Coors Banquet for you when the Huskers after the Huskers defeat Colorado. Although I feel like it's you know adding insult to injury or salt in the wound to them because I feel like I'm giving back to you know their economy from afar. I don't really know if I want to do that. Coors makes damn good beer. Let me tell you this, Greg. Those $13 silos of Coors Banquet they sell at Folsom, <laughs> because they're 13 bucks. I'll limit myself to one per quarter, so that's $52 total for the game. But I will bring back with me to Nebraska a couple of those aluminum cups from the game. There you go. One I'll, one I'll keep in my cupboard, and I'll either – drink water out of it or you know what it'd make a really good reusable spittoon when i'm you know gnawing on a dip of copenhagen watching football and it's rewash you know it's washable and the other one i will send it to you oh thanks buddy yeah now we can give it away you know or something like to yeah. our many listeners friend of the program josh oh, i don't think he'd want it anymore. <laughs> uh no I, I put the tweet out uh saturday asking what everyone's drinking uh pictures not necessary I was drinking a uh, Kona Brewing Company Big Wave Golden Ale, and uh, I didn't get any heat for it, but I did get a uh, uh, Colton responded with an IPA from Code Beer Company in uh, Lincoln. It's Lincoln's newest tap room serving delicious craft beers to the community. And R.I.P. Uh, Blue Blood. Hmm? R.I.P. Blue Blood. Exactly. I said, living in Illinois, I desperately need someone to get me some Nebraska beer. Uh, Colton was hoping that they could start canning their beer soon they've only been around for a couple of years uh growlers of their beer right now but if uh i ever get to lincoln i'm, I'm gonna stop in there so, so i don't get I, your ass to lincoln i do have a uh a, a propensity to do podcast recordings in breweries so code beer company you are on notice uh if i ever make it to lincoln i'm thinking i'm thinking next year be a good year my boy will be almost five be a good time to take him to memorial stadium right absolutely or absolutely it'd be a good time to get away for a weekend without him right <laughs> even even more so uh so anyway, we'll see what's in the works right now the only game i know i'm going to this year is illinois and i wish they'd reveal a game time for that because babysitters freaking out that there's no game time announced so all right that is it for oh i didn't get oh yeah i did get my uh uh, what the, what's the word of prediction? So that's our show. God dang, it took us a while to get there. Um, we appreciate everybody for tuning in, for uh, uh, sharing it with your fellow Husker fans and your social media network. Remember that you can find us uh, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podbean or Spotify or Google Play. As I mentioned, uh, the number five heart podcast on Twitter or five written out heart podcast on uh, Facebook. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Leave a rate and review because that's free as well, and it helps more Husker fans, uh, uh, you know, helps us appear in their searches as well. So uh, for myself, Greg Mahochko, for Hoss Reuter, and for John Dam Johnston, who's too busy working to come play with us, we appreciate you, and we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Hoss. Win the fucking game. Oh, no, you didn't. That's, oh, I got chills. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.